This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 36. This episode features Adrian Rosas. Adrian Rosas is a singer. He's a bass singer, to be exact. He's an alum of the Juilliard Graduate uh, Vocal Performance Program. He's also the co-founder and executive director of Arts On Sight NYC. And he also works as part of the Moab Music Festival, uh, organizing the concert production um, with them remotely from here in New York. Um, I really enjoyed talking with him. Um, Really felt he was a kindred spirit in a lot of ways. Um, really positive dude, uh, cool story, could uh, cool outlook on the world. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, this is Adrian Rosas. Let's have a conversation. Record and ask you that same point. So were you doing that for a specific company? No, I have a, a friend, Karen Gilfrey, who, uh, her and I were at the Juilliard school together for our master's degree in voice, um, and she has since mostly stopped singing and shifted like all of her attention over to voiceover stuff. So anyway, this is a few years back. She said, yeah. oh, Adrian, you should do this too. I've been having success. And yeah. I was like, all right, let me give it a try. So I dropped some money on like new computer, new mic, new blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And just quickly realized that for me, it's it's just not something sustainable. I was I was getting so sweaty in my little... Yeah, studio box, <laughs> and uh, hours and hours and hours of of effort put into it, which is amazing. And I have a huge respect for the people that are doing it on the regular because yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah. so Adrian Rojas, right? Adrian Rosas, Rosas. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you said you went to Juilliard for voice for your masters. Um, and I know a little bit of your background. I know. Um, you're an opera singer as well, right? Yeah. So my my, I have two degrees in voice performance. It's called, mm-hmm. uh, but a voice performance degree is usually a classical voice uh, training. So yeah, I have an undergrad from Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo um, in voice performance, and then a, a master's degree from the Juilliard School, also in voice performance. So yeah, I've had uh, finished in 2010, and I've been just going at it since. On many paths. But. And you also have a good, um, like when you said that you were doing the audiobook thing for a while, um, you also have a good voice for that as well. I thought so too, but then actually getting into it, you realize that uh, like a young, low voice is not something that's very popular. They either want like an older, raspy, some sort of affectation in your sound, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, which would just like kill my voice after yeah. doing that for for some time, or like really young, like whoa, blah blah blah, and that also like there's there's two extremes, and I'm sort of in the middle with like a more because of I think my singing background a more like robust round but youthful sound, which actually works really well for for female audiobook narrators mm-hmm. because they're often looking for like this motherly warm quality or like a, a high uh, voice that's catering to like kids commercials or something like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I found it difficult. Whereas 
uh, uh, my friend Karin, who has this like luscious, sort of nice mezzo soprano voice, gets so much work uh, because of that like beautiful, robust, round, warm, motherly quality. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was my experience. I could be totally wrong. I only did it for a year, but. <laughs> Well, I wonder, um, but that's like a lot of hours. It sounds like I've done, I've done a little bit of a voiceover work in the past. Um, and that's like in and out quick, um, done. Yeah. I get, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, you can go in and do like a 30 second commercial yeah. and get that done pretty quick, but yeah, a 30 second commercial is only going to pay you a certain amount. So if you want to make a living wage off of it, you either got to be doing commercials like that back to back to back to back, or you're doing audiobook audio books. So right. like having to read full books and then read them out loud again, yeah, <laughs> super time consuming, and you just got to be good at it. You got to be able to read without making many mistakes. Yeah, you got to be able to edit yourself now as well. It's it's uh, it's getting lesser and lesser that uh, a voiceover right. artist is going into a studio. Yeah, they're just at home in their closet or in their in their bedroom where they created a home studio, and you got to be your own producer and editor and. And all that, so you're the talent, and you're the 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 back end of it as well, which has become yeah, you're you're your own business, really. yeah, uh, like like many of the arts, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about that. How did you sure. get into singing? Um, yeah, we'll we'll start there because I know you also have other things like on that other end you were talking about as far as like, um, you know, being your own business and creating your own opportunities um yeah so i know about that too a little bit well actually <laughs> let's plug that now um what what is that that you do um your main yeah take it away on sure. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh so about two years ago two friends and i started a company called arts on site um arts on site nyc specifically um and it's a, a non-profit with a mission of supporting the development of artists and encouraging community collaboration. So we do that uh, in a few ways. One, we started by um, creating a community around performance. So we have a, a thing that we call a performance party, which is a, a monthly event now. We actually were hosting that for five years prior to, to starting the nonprofit. And so we built a community around this monthly performance event. And that caters to all art forms. We're curating eight performing artists every month and one or two visual artists as well. So at this point, um, we have a pretty large community. Um, and like I said, that's happening on a monthly basis. So that's at our studios, uh, Arts on Site NYC on St. Mark's Place in the East Village. And that's all uh, performing artists? That's all performing artists, uh, except for we, we bring on one or two visual artists nice. on occasion. Yeah. Um, it's a bit harder with visual arts because of, Hard to of the hanging. And, and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The more time consuming and more, more for them. Like mm -hmm. for us, it's, it's fine. We can open the, up the space to have people come hang, but then like taking it down, getting it there, hanging it up, taking it down because we can't keep it open as right. a gallery yeah. except for that night. So. It's a bit harder. We usually have uh, bring have artists bring in like smaller things or prints, and we set it up on a table for display, and they can talk about it that way, and maybe make a sale or two through their prints rather than bringing in expensive originals. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so that's one thing that we do. Otherwise, we're open seven days a week, 
all year long from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. as uh, rental studios, hourly rental studios for artists, again, of all disciplines. Um, I'd say a, a good percentage of our renters have made a home at Arts On Site, so they use it on a recurring basis. So say a small dance company wants a, a permanent place to rehearse twice a week, same time, all the time for their troupe of dancers. You know, they've booked out for two years or yeah. something in advance. Um, yeah, and then, then otherwise it's just one-off hourly rentals. So if you, you need a place to come and uh, have a meeting with somebody, uh, rent it out for an affordable price. And it's part of our mission to offer affordable rates as well to artists because my two partners and I are freelance artists in our own right, and that's our main career. Um, and this is sort of the, the side passion project that now has turned into a... a, a a big part of our everyday lives as well, rather and than just... And why outside. did you, uh, yeah, why did you want to do that? Like, why were you passionate about starting that? I think the the most prevalent thing was that space in New York was getting expensive. Mm -hmm. Space in general, whether it be, uh, you know, renting an apartment, buying property, almost impossible, renting out a business space, um, and then on a smaller level, but equally as difficult for artists renting out a uh, rehearsal space. Mm. Just going into a room on your own could cost you 40 bucks an hour, and that's often just a little tiny box with maybe a keyboard in it or, or something like that. Um, and on top of that, there's not many rehearsal spaces in lower Manhattan. In the, we're in the East Village, um, and there's, there's less than a handful. So catering to this area that was lacking this this type of hourly rental, um, yeah, which actually works really well because people are, are can easily get there from Queens or from Brooklyn or if you're already in Manhattan. So that wound up being convenience wound up being a really big part of of us opening up and having some success. And then the monthly. Would you call it a showcase or the monthly... We call it a performance party. The monthly uh, performance party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where did that come in to play? Was that, that the idea? Started of, that everything. started it. Yeah. yeah. We, we were hosting that event. We started in my partners. They're a married couple, mm -hmm. Kyle and Chelsea, and started in their living room almost eight years ago, I guess. And so we, we were hosting that party on a pretty irregular basis. Um, in their apartment at some other spaces we found we had like a permanent space in Brooklyn for a little while underground like basement space but it worked out um, yeah and eventually landed in in St. Mark's through an offer from the the parents of, of someone who had performed at our event multiple times over the years um, they own multiple properties in that area and said we've got two spaces two rooms that are opening up uh, and they would love to fill it with the arts. Um, so yeah, we took over and created a plan really quickly and w figured out that the only way we as artists ourselves could afford that space was to, was, uh, with our community. So, mm -hmm. um, although we personally couldn't afford that rent ourselves collectively with us and our artists from multiple art forms who need space already, um, with everybody chipping in into that pot through, you know, paying a bit for their hourly rental, um, it's sustainable. So, so I'm going to back up real quick and just ask a question again. Um, why 
did you do and why do you think it's important to continue to do uh, the performance party? The performance party for us is, is probably the most important because uh, it equals community. And for us, the community is the only way that we can be sustainable, the only way we can stay open. Um, so the performance party is a donation-based event, um, open to everybody, anybody. There's no cap. Um, we're not selling tickets online. Uh, it's just show up and come in and you're welcome. Um, bring a friend, whatever. It's all donations. So you can make a donation at the door if you'd like. You can make a donation at the bar for some beer and wine. Um, but then past that, once you're in the doors, you wind up becoming part of this community. Uh, I'd say probably 80, 90% of the people that are there have been there before. And then there's that 10 to 20% that are, that are new on a regular basis, which is pretty cool. So on a business side, it's bringing in more people every month, uh, letting more people know that we exist. Um, on an artistic side, it's giving opportunity to artists to perform for an audience of average, probably about 100 people. Um, every month. So whereas there's so many artists and often to create a performance opportunity for yourself costs a good amount, uh, whether it be to rent the space or have hold rehearsals, etc. Uh, we open up the space to our performers. We give them free rehearsal space and we open up the space and we provide an audience. Um, so yeah, for us, it's been both really beneficial on the artist side and, and now we're getting about 20 requests every month so we know that it's it's something that artists want um, and then on the opposite end it's bringing people in the door so it's helping to sustain the the business as well so yeah the the performance party winds up being an extremely vital thing uh, in our community to to keep going to and move, what move kind forward. of uh, different performers um, do you have for example oh it's anything and everything so uh again we've we've been doing it for about eight years now uh so i come from a music background chelsea um, is a dancer professionally and her husband kyle is a visual artist so with those three plus our other friends you know in in theater uh, actors writers it, it's gone through any any discipline you can imagine we've had tap dancers jazz band Cuban drummers, opera singers, uh, sculptors, painters, dancers of, of all sorts. You know, it, film, we do, we've actually started a film series with uh, some volunteers that have turned into friends over the years, uh, have started their own film short night. So they do that a couple times a year and their audience already is growing as well. So at our performance party, we'll often have it. Uh, at least one film a month or something like that. Uh, and we, so we'll just pull down the projector screen, plug in the computer. It's pretty casual. It's all like low key. People sit around in a circle on some benches on the floor and the performers are with you in the audience. So they, they'll pop up and do their thing and sit back down on the floor right next to you to watch the other performers that they may have never seen before in their lives. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that makes it unique that it's not, you're not separating performer from audience, but the the performers are, are part of the audience and they're in it. Um, and But a step above like an open mic because it's curated. So people submit uh, an application and will and will create an interesting program based off, based off of the people who apply. And where do, we'll plug that right now, where do people uh, go if they're interested in uh, participating and performing specifically? Um, but also if they're interested in coming and checking it out. 
uh, where's sure. the best place to find? Two ways. Uh, either go to the website, which is artsonsite.org, or they can email info at artsonsite.org. And either way, you can find all the info you need on the website, but we have people uh, that are responding to emails all day, every day. So, Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's a great this is a great place to start. Um, I also come from a performance background, and for me, like this isn't the like there are things parallel to what I'm doing right now with the podcast and everything, but um, most of the people I'm connecting with right now are a lot of them are performers also, but performers who are also committed. You're a theater to artist, theater, and I <laughs> sing too. Okay, um, cool, and. Uh, but like a lot of the people um, who I'm connecting with, there's a lot of performers, especially in New York. I think it like you learn this over time, but the importance of community and um, building like when, when you're thinking about building platforms for your own art, um, one of the best things you can do is connect with other people, like build community and connect with other communities. And once for you sure. start going down that rabbit hole, there's, like there's huge open doors everywhere in New York. Like if you are aware um, and looking for them. Yeah. Know? Or even unaware. Yeah. Like the, the fact that these studios sort of honestly sort of fell in our laps. We yeah. Weren't, we weren't looking for space. Yeah. All we were looking for were people to hang with and perform for and, and watch perform as friends and colleagues and peers. And then from that stemmed, you know, this, this little plant that yeah. <laughs> that we didn't even know we wanted to water. Yeah. And that, that's wound up being a big part of our lives. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I've talked with a number of, of entrepreneurial artists who um, in the beginning stages without having gone through it yet, think you need so much knowledge and training in business or finance or a giant stack of money to start something. But I like to tell the opposite side of the story, which is ours, which is we had no money. Right. We had no business experience. All we had was our professional experience and uh, this awesome team of colleagues and friends who are all artists. So again, it, it all goes, it always goes back to community. It's like, yeah, without the community, we wouldn't have started. We couldn't have started. And without the community, we can't continue and we won't continue because we're here to serve the community. So what's the point of and as like space? simple as it sounds and like you learn this like over and over again and like your education and your experience as an artist like people further down the line say it over and over again like the most thing the most important thing to do is to keep doing the work like keep doing the art keep right. creating it um, and, and and varying it like just finding different ways to do it yeah you know, not getting stuck in one one very narrow path but yeah being willing to branch out to what seemingly may be i remember a guy um and this is like so there was this collective that i was involved with in bushwick when i first moved here um we've all kind of gone our separate ways but we're all friends still um but it was like a really we were all together for this really cool moment for a few years um and I had a friend who I knew um, from when I was down in Virginia, and he was up here trying to do this stand-up comedy thing. Okay. And we had a weekly open mic that was bringing out a lot of people. And it was definitely, like, mainly music, but there were comedians every time. And, mm -hmm. like, 
there were certain phases where there were a lot of comedians and pretty good also. And this guy I knew, he was doing the whole, like he was doing the old school comedian thing, which okay. is like um, going and passing out tickets and trying to get them to come, which I think still do that too. For sure. Like it's not like, not, not that you have to abandon that, but like there's actually was, the company in our building on the street level called the V spot. It's a vegan restaurant, but yeah, they also do a comedy night every week. So yeah, on the regular, you, there's people outside handing, you know, handing out flyers and trying to get people in the door. It's the same exact. Yeah. Thing. But I was telling him, like, I was like, Hey man, you should come out you know, come try this out one time. And he never did. And I'm not sure, I'm not going to say his name or anything now, but like, it's like, at least, you know what I mean? Like if, like, it's not that, it's not to say whether a thing has worked because there's something about doing something consistently. Mm -hmm. But like you said, also vary it a little bit. Like yeah. have your home base, but like Just your routines. Your like Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, especially if you have an opportunity to get into a whole other um group of people because like the whole open mic i think they call it like in the comedy thing like the open mic not the open mics like at established places yeah but the open mics at like um unconventional those are there's a whole scene and it's like the alt comedy scene and right it's, it's not even a new concept but like it's a whole thing it's just it's the underground yeah of, of comedy <laughs> yeah yeah but it's the same with the art world like it's like get your stuff out there like you don't just have to wait for the quote-unquote big opportunities because like you said doing that doing your thing led to physical space that you now have yeah. in manhattan and you have a you know now a physical space to provide like a platform that wasn't yeah. there before and it's because of doing like building with your community you absolutely know? and it works both ways like i've gained professional working relationships with some people that have come through our studios over the couple of years. We're, we're about to hit two years. So yeah. we're still young. Congratulations. Thank you. you. Uh, but the other way as well, it's like now as a freelance singer, who's going out to do gigs around the country, uh, and people have started to hear about arts on site and the work that we've done over two years. Um, they also start to take you more seriously as an artist. Yeah. Just because they know that now that you're not just, Right. A singer. You know, you're not just a comedian. You're not just a painter. All those things are great in their own right. And, you know, uh, high, high respect for each of these art forms. But when you're out there, people also are impressed by other skills. <laughs> because especially when they're not artists themselves. As a singer, and, I'm, and I'm, I bet it's this way with other disciplines as well, but we're often, uh, in classical music especially... I'm an operatic singer. Um, we're often having to uh, hobnob with very wealthy people, the donors to the opera company, uh, donors to uh, the young artist programs that are out there. You know, I, I, I think it's well known that the, the audience for opera is a fairly older community. And although that's starting to change slowly, it's, it's, it's still... Uh, in this arena, you're constantly surrounded by people that are on a totally different financial stage than you. Uh, but now, all of a sudden, with this with this background in business, having a uh, uh, a nonprofit that's been sustainable and continuous, and they see they start to take you a little bit more seriously, a little bit more respect. Yeah, uh, which is cool. You get street cred in this other totally different community from building something that 
is out of the norm from your, your regular everyday path. I think there's also something about, um, like it's like as an actor, I'm sure it's somewhere with like opera when you're like auditioning or like meeting with agents, like these, these types of things, there's an element of, and I don't, I don't think people are malicious in it, but like, like quite the opposite. I think there becomes an awkward thing a lot of times because agents or casting directors or whatever, they have your next employment in their hands a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you can have something else that you're doing also, then the stakes aren't as high. It's not that you don't want yeah, the job, for you but personally, yeah, going like in. Th there's a different level of confidence and then you can, you can actually approach them more as a human being and just be like, mm -hmm. cause who, cause it's like, who cares? Like, it's like, you're a human being. I get what you're doing. Yeah, I'm interested in working with you, but you know, but like, yeah. I'm also a human being, so I'm not going to approach you like you're for sure. You it know? can, it can absolutely help, especially in like the contract stage, mm -hmm. you know, if, uh, especially as a young artist in whatever field you're out there auditioning or, or applying, submitting work for so many different things. And maybe in the beginning they're paying nothing or paying very little, but now that you have something else that, that. Uh, you can prove, you know, I have this thing. Yeah. And to be able to leave that thing for a certain amount of time, I need to make at least, you know, a living wage. Yeah. That I would be making when I'm I'm back home. Yeah. And so it's a good bargaining tool as well, in a way. I've never thought of that really, but yeah. But it, but it can be. Yeah. Um. But it's also even just I think a sense of confidence that you have, like, mm -hmm. you know, that you're not, like, you're not dependent completely on. And most arts organizations that you may be working for, or many, not most, are also nonprofit organizations. Yeah. So when you come in with having started and running a nonprofit organization, you wind up having these different level conversations as well. You're not just talking about the music that you're doing, but right. you're also talking about the the fundraising or the the donor events or the outreach. You know, who do you send letters to? How do you build your community? Asking questions is always a great thing too. Like we we're in the process of learning about how to build a board of directors. So any gig I go to that's a nonprofit, I am sparking very purposely these up these conversations about the business side. You know, I'm doing this in New York, and it, and it's twofold. It's it's one getting them to know what you're doing, right. but secondly also gaining some sort of advice or information. So or connections, yeah, all yeah. of it. Um. So so now let's go back um, and let's talk about your art I mean, your different artists I'm you know so singing uh yeah. where does that start for you uh I've been in choirs since I was a little kid third grade or something like that yeah um but never didn't really take any voice lessons until my senior year of high school I think it was yeah and that was really because I decided that I wanted to go to school for music I very honestly was naive in, in that path. Uh, neither of my parents went to college. I think it was one of the first people in my family to go to college. Um, so didn't have much guidance uh, on that path, and especially in music. Nobody went to school for the arts. Um, so, but yeah, when I decided to go to school for music, really what I loved doing was singing in vocal jazz ensembles. Yep. I'm a, I'm a low voice. I love singing like dum 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 whatever these bass lines that are just fun. Uh, so I was like, great, I'm gonna go to school for for jazz voice. 
little did I know that most of the application processes are, are the same. You have to have a variety of, of tunes that you audition with. So I need to learn a classical music I need, or a classical song. I need to learn musical theater. I need to learn this. So started taking some lessons, connected me with some music, learned it, threw my stuff out there and, and just to see what would come back. Uh, and ironically, it wound up being, uh, I got the biggest scholarship to go out of state to Western Michigan University. Uh, but they also had one of the coolest vocal jazz ensembles and I was super excited to go. So I went there and pretty quickly realized that jazz is not for me. Like, I love it. I love listening to it. I love being a part of it in a small way, but having a life in it would not be something that I would be good at, let alone really have been able to like dive into fully. Uh, and my voice teacher handed me a classical piece of music and said, why don't we work on this? I hear something different, unique, better, or not better, but different in your voice. Uh, and it just wound up fitting so well. It felt right. So uh, I, I decided to go down the, the classical voice path and spent an extra year in undergrad because I had to take opera workshop every semester and I had missed two of them. Mm -hmm. So... Stayed for five years there, which I'll actually I think wound up being a blessing in disguise because uh, I took voice lessons from a different teacher that fifth year, from two different teachers that fifth year, which I think just enhanced the education I already had just at a different level. You know, they didn't look at me as an undergrad. They looked at me as like sort of in between. So let's let's really work hard to make this some some big improvements. Yeah. Uh, and I think. And you probably have more time to focus. And more time final. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, instead of all the rigorous, it was a university, so you're taking all the academic courses as well. Right. Uh, but yeah, that fifth year I had time to focus on, like, just me as a singer and a performer and an artist, uh, which I think really gave me the upper hand in auditioning for master's programs. So I, I knew I wanted to come back east, so I just applied to three places, Westminster Choir College, because I loved choral music with my heart, uh, the Manhattan School music, and then Juilliard was like, you know, that... that Huh, let's just do it. There's only one chance to do it. You know? Yeah. And so I, uh, Manhattan gave me like no money at all. I was like, Bleh, I can't afford that. Westminster Choir College, very close to a full tuition scholarship. I knew I had friends there. I knew teachers already. I was so happy. I said, yes, I signed the paper. And then like two weeks later, I got a phone call from the Juilliard School saying, congratulations, uh, would like to offer you a full tuition scholarship as a voice master student. And I went, whoa, jeez. And yeah. so so naively still, I I went back to Westminster Choir College asking if they would uh, increase the scholarship to match. And they didn't. Another, you know, blessing sort of thing. Right. Because just so naive, I, I would have gone there just yeah. because I liked the green campus and like yeah. friends and la la. Uh, but yeah, so Juilliard, went, I, went, I went to Juilliard and it wound up being super intense program for me. It was a big leap. Um, trying to keep up and catch up and the expectation expectation levels much higher the the amount of coursework on a daily basis much higher yeah and so it took me it felt like I was dragging weight for for a while and and how long was that program uh, it's a two-year program but there was also an application process to uh, for a third year uh, where you would receive your same scholarship for another year but you could get to create your own curriculum so I applied for that and I was one of three people out of the class of nine, very small class, yeah. uh, 
that got accepted for that. So I stayed for a third year, um, which again was just a, a great thing to do because as a classical voice singer, low voice guy, uh, the career really starts much later because the roles that you'll play are a bit older looking on stage, fathers, kings. I could play like devilish characters, but even still, I uh, you can't see me on this podcast, but I look fairly young um, for my age. And uh, so that's been a little bit of a challenge. Like my sound doesn't match my look. And so waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, having that extra year just helps in that in that way as well. Yeah. A little bit more time. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. I've, like just the age thing I've been finding. Like I took some time off from acting and recently have been auditioning again. And I'm like a little bit older now. But like it's really interesting because there's a lot of pressure in your 20s. Like, oh, I have to like my life's going to be over, blah, blah, blah. And like now I'm meeting with people and they're like, there's actually a lot of work right now. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, 30, I don't know what we're thinking. 30s is the place. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we're thinking, stressing out in our twenties. Right. Um, of course, like, you know, take advantage of everything you can, but like also settle, like <laughs> yeah. just keep growing. Like <clears throat> I was actually just having a similar conversation. So this is another hat. I wear multiple hats. Uh, I teach as well, and so one of the the jobs I've had is at the California Institute of the Arts. Uh, it's about thirty minutes north of Los Angeles in California. And that's where you were. You just got back from. I LA, just right? got back from LA. Um, I've been out there. They have a summer program called the California State Summer School for the Arts, and I've been on voice faculty with them for this was my sixth summer, uh, and so that's a program for high school high school aged kids. Um, I teach in the music department, but they have uh, a full range of, of arts departments. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, there's about 600 kids that attend the camp in whole. Um, and then the music department is about between 50 and 75, depending on the summer. Um, anyway, so I was having these conversations with these teenagers who all they really know for most of them are are pop singers you know they mm-hmm. they have their pop idols um or if they know classical music they might have these these icons that that they look up to but like you just said they they're such in such a rush to be the best which is great it's cool to have that drive but all, so much of it as an artist has to do with time and experience and age and patience um, and like pa- oh my god <laughs> like patience huge yeah like, and yeah. And it's impossible, I think, to like either have it or like you're gonna have to learn it the like patience the hard way, you know. For sure, yeah. And I think the kids in this program learn that quickly because it's similar to my experience going from like this smaller undergrad to a really intense master's degree. They're going from high school to where they're the big, they're the best person in high school, and. Yeah, and all of a sudden they're surrounded by all these kids who have auditioned for this program and been accepted, and who are also the best kids in their yeah. high school. Yeah, and then even on top of that is like we're we're treating them basically like college students. They mm-hmm. have a curriculum from nine a.m. to nine p.m. five days a week. Yeah. So and then a half a day on Saturday. So it's like it's a rigorous thing where they're really having to figure out time management, figure out their interpersonal skills, figure out like when do I practice. When do I study? When do I hang? You know, yeah, those sort of things. Uh, 
yeah, I, I, it's just a, an interesting conversation that sort of never ends. You wind up having that conversation with teenagers. You wind up having to continually tell yourself to be patient yeah. along the way and realizing that, yeah, 30 years old is not old. Yeah. <laughs> how, uh, so after college, like as far as performing, how has that been for you? Like as far as like with opera and classical music? Yeah, right out of uh, college, I was 27, I guess, and I got a great opportunity to sing with the the Seattle Opera. Oh, in that's their... my hometown. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, I've been in that building before. Beautiful. Yeah. So I was in their Young Artist Program, which is, um, if you don't know what a Young Artist Program is, it's an apprenticeship, basically. No different than uh, a woodmaker would go and work at a woodmaker's shop, mm-hmm. you know, a furniture maker or whatever. Carpenter, that's the word. Uh, and, and learn from them, but also be working and getting a small salary and, and building skills along the way. Same exact thing for, for operatic singing. You go, as a young artist, you go to a, a major opera house. Uh, you often get to be some part of, of the big, full professional productions, but then you're also sort of still learning and training from some, some staff there, and then you also do your own uh, young artist opera. So it's this middle ground between school and just being completely out, <clears throat> completely out on your own. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a great spot. Seattle Opera is one of the top probably five houses in the country. They're doing really well and put on super high level productions. It's a beautiful, beautiful place as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but very honestly, I, I quickly like became disenchanted with the idea of having this singing career that would just constantly be traveling, no like regular pay. You know, it's that fear that you get as an artist of any sort. Like, how am I going to do this? Do I really want to be so unstable in my life and just hopping around place to place, 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 and never knowing when the next, when the next gig is, is going to happen. And that's the, that's the operatic life as well. There's you're, you're a freelance musician. It's not uh you don't join an opera company and, and do all the shows with them. You go and you get hired to do one show with, with an opera company. Um, then you've got to get the next contract on your own. So, yeah, I, I just, I got scared, basically. And I came back to New York and uh, I had done some teaching with elementary-aged kids before. So I was like, I want to do something, you know, really positive with what I've learned along the way. So I want to go teach. So I applied for a bunch of arts teaching positions and uh, got hired by this program that does after-school programming and we I helped them to develop a, the arts sort of curriculum for that because they were doing all academic after-school programming before that um, worked with them for three years so I was in elementary schools uh, both charter schools and public schools for three years working with kindergarten through fifth graders and loved it loved it so cool but also one of the most draining jobs you'll ever have in your life. Yeah. <laughs> teachers respect. Oh yeah. Because woo, getting Damn up teachers every day. pay them more. Like I'll echo that anytime. Oh. Teachers deserve to get paid. 100%, especially yeah. when they're having to buy all their supplies as yeah, well out of crazy. pocket. Like where was, where was it? Arizona. That's, that's now giving, giving stipends to teachers. I think. Oh yeah, across the state, which is cool. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I know something along those lines are starting to bubble. So that's a, a great. Yeah, and there've been a lot of uh, major strikes and a major pushback, like in the last uh, this mm-hmm. past year, which is 
totally valid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so taught in elementary school for three years, and um, right before my 30th birthday, I got offered to somebody. Somebody dropped out of an opera company, a small opera company in Houston. They were doing Don Giovanni, and the Don Giovanni dropped out. Somebody passed my name along, even though I hadn't been really singing anywhere for, for a couple of years. Um, and the, the director looked me up. He didn't know me. We didn't know each other. He looked at my website, which was still active, and sent me an email at like almost midnight one night. And I saw it really early the next morning. And I got so excited internally. And I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Right. You know, I hadn't had a gig or audition for anything in a while. I was like, oh. Yeah. And especially a lead role. It didn't even matter where it was. Just... It's like I get to sing Don Giovanni in Don Giovanni in Houston. It was the winter time. I was like, yeah, let's get out of New York for yeah. <laughs> for a month. Um, so yeah, it was it luckily was during winter break of school. And so I went down there and uh, with all intentions of, of coming right back after the gig, had my 30th birthday while I was while I was on the gig and just had this change of heart, change of mind. I was like, if I'm gonna do this. Or give it a try. I'm 30 for my voice type. You know, peak is sort of 35 to 55. That's mm-hmm. like the age to be performing. Um, I said, I got to try it. I got to do it. So I literally called the next day and put in my two weeks notice with the school, with the, this company I was working for. Yeah. And just cold turkey, quit teaching and had saved up a bunch of money over the few years. Yeah. Um, even though teachers aren't paid a lot, they often are paid more than artists freelance. Yeah, young. that's true. <laughs> that's also true. Woo, it's tough. Artists um, also deserve to be paid. Yes. We'll, uh, you know, <laughs> plug that too, that concept. But yeah, that, that like little bit of cushion allowed me to like take six months, eight months or something and like get back in contact with people that I had lost contact with and set up auditions with people. I found an agent at that time as well. Uh, so yeah, started doing more auditions and just slowly but surely the snowball started to to pick up a little bit of speed again and yeah, now it's been four, almost five years of just singing work. So either singing work uh, as a solo performer, singing work as a, a member of a choir, singing work, teaching voice somewhere. Uh, again, this goes back, this full circle back to like, don't just do your one path. Right. If you really want to get out there and you want to create a community like reach out to all potential opportunities in your field. It's interesting. Um, so like over the last couple of years, I've been slowly coming, like coming back to acting specifically. And like I have a band and stuff, but my wife, she knew that I wanted to start auditioning again, but I also had the idea for this podcast a year ago and I started it a few months ago, but when I started really going down, like being like, I really have to do this thing also. She's like, well, what about acting? And I'm like, I can't explain why, but this is, I need to do this in order to do the other things. And I can't explain why, but just some things, you know, as an artist, you just have to listen to what it is. And it's that thing when you got the call and the opportunity, you thought you were done with that. Yeah. But then something awoke, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. yeah, you have to listen to those things and, and then... Yeah, be open to the different opportunities, you know, the different. Because I feel like each one also, like, as an artist, I I really believe, like, there's definitely something about you have to put in a certain amount of time and get better at 
certain aspects of your craft. But I also believe that different disciplines and different um, pursuits enhance the others. Like you learn the things that then when you come back to the, to another aspect, form you apply it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think also in that, always oh, community. My mind's always yeah. on people. It's like, yeah, if you go down this path of podcasts and, and voiceover and recording, you're going to meet an entirely different community than, than you were already part of, whether it be in the music world or the, or the theater world. Yeah. And uh, uh, obviously there's tons and tons of crossover, but until you're doing both, you don't wind up right. interacting with both communities. Or Yeah. Yeah, I loved my time working with like recording equipment as well. Actually, my even further back, my experience as a as a jazz singer in the first couple of years of college, it was all like microphones and soundboards and setting up equipment and speakers and sound checks, you know, things like that that have now uh, helped me so much because in the business we host these performance parties. They're not always uh, they're mostly acoustic, but every once in a while someone wants you know a mic, a little amp, a little sound test, da, 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 and I feel super comfortable hopping right in because I've had that experience on my own. And so, exactly, like, all of these different experiences can inform inform the other. Yeah. Or me as a, I think, uh, when I came back to New York uh, to to interview or apply for all these teaching positions, I had never done a regular interview for a job before. But my experience as a performer... And learning languages and learning, memorizing music and speaking with donors and et cetera. It gives you this confidence that you can't build from reading a book. Right. You can't grow this confidence just by listening to information or reading information. You have to go out there and like experience it and fail at it and do it again. And you get better and better. And then uh, it wound up coming up in the conversation of this interview. At the end, they were like, oh, we love this. You know, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we're feeling really positive about you. And, uh, and they said, are you applying for other jobs? And I said, no, actually, this is my first and only interview that I've ever done. And they, yeah. were, they were blown away. <laughs> they were like, wow, you seem so comfortable. I never would have thought that. Da, da, da. And yeah, and I think that all stems back from, from a career in the arts. Yeah. Uh, experience in the arts, whatever it might be. So yeah. everything informs everything. It's interesting, um, been thinking about this lately, but, um, just, it's come up quite like teachers teaching and the arts are also constantly like getting funding cut or are constantly kind of under attack. And they're both so crucially vital and important to like the whole fabric of society. For sure. Um, yeah. And like a arts education, yeah, it's pretty sad. I mean, the I don't know the exact facts, the exact numbers, but um, the the summer program in California is one of a very few remaining state-funded arts programs in the country. Yeah, it's something like a handful or mm-hmm. less. So, like three to five um, programs in the country that are supported by the state. Yeah. Or the government. That's nothing. It's so few. And and it offers such an incredible opportunity, not just for like bringing in great teachers and being able to do some good programming, but uh, this program is all audition-based. 
And so regardless of their financial background, if you get in, if you get selected to be in the program, there's you, a way for you to go. You, yeah. you can come. Yeah. yeah. They'll check your financial background and yep. you can apply for a financial aid. And if you get in and you cannot afford it, you will, you can go because yeah. the state will pay. Um, and sure, it's coming out of our taxes, our California's but taxes. That's what, but. that's what I want my tax dollars to <laughs> exactly, go to. You know? Exactly. Like, it's a beautiful thing. And so what happens then is then you're getting uh, kids from completely extreme communities you know, from like the poorest sections of the ghettos in California to like the most wealthy mansions on, on the beach or whatever and everything in between. And they have no idea when they get there who's who. All they know is that you're all there. You're all at a certain level of artistry. You're all there because you're passionate about what you do. You want to, I'm sure they don't, they don't even know how old each other are for a week or so. And it doesn't matter. It's like art becomes the, Art becomes the the balancing point or the or the even playing field. Yeah. Also, like I um, I benefited from those types of programs when I was a kid. Um, middle school in particular was rough on me. Um, just a lot of different. You know, I think middle school's a rough time period. But uh, one of the things that I benefited from was this. There was like a two week. Um, summer arts program in Seattle. Um, and I, I feel like this was like a city kind of program or something, but, um, what I also benefited from that kind of what you were saying, like a level playing field, you have whatever dynamics you have at your school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to this thing where there's all these other kids from other middle schools. Um, and, because I was like, like I've just always like, ex, like theater um, and music in a way, those have always been two things I've kind of excelled at from a young age. Mm-hmm. And so because I was sort of in my element um, and I was, I think I was in like seventh grade or something, but some of the like cool eight, eighth graders from other schools I got on well within this program right? Um, while whatever, like, cause my whole thing in my middle school was a whole up and down social the situation. Yeah. yeah. And you Age. know, it's everywhere, but going to this program <clears throat> and being like, wait a second, like I'm cool with these <laughs> other like older. doesn't matter that kids. they're 12 like, and I'm 10. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so those types of programs for like, yeah, later when you get, cause I also went to like a, summer high school thing two month yeah high school acting intensive uh right before my senior year in high school and yeah those things where you get to interact like you were saying about like managing the kids in that program you you're part of learning how to balance your social like just social relations how to Mm -hmm. do that and take care of like the work you need to take care of it's really it's so important crucial Yeah. yeah And also I think like if you're like with all the with all the um, cuts and funding to the arts and in schools, it's also important because if you come from a school that's more underfunded, because there's always schools Mm -hmm. that seem to have more funding like for arts and some that have less. These programs are good because if you're supposed to be an artist and you don't have an outlet for it, it's rough. Your school just has no resources. Exactly. And so then you don't have an out, you know what I mean? So then you feel like, I know when I 
I didn't know it when I was younger, but every time, like the lowest parts of my life personally were when somehow I wasn't doing something artistically. Mm-hmm. And then when they came back in or went in and out, like that's, it was important for my entire well-being. Yeah. You know? I mean, the emotional side of it is huge yeah. as well. And there's, you see a dramatic shift in personality between day one when some of these kids show up with their parents and uh, for me, I, we're not required to, but I love sitting at the table at the, at the welcome desk every year because you get to see the dynamic between the parent and the, and the kid. Yeah. And just that alone is so interesting to me, you know, seeing parents that are very overwhelming, yep. very sort of sheltering, mm-hmm. uh, and then the opposite extreme as well. Parents don't even show up or kids don't have parents and they show up alone yeah super independent and having having a place to balance out that that scenario as well is really important or more than that seeing the shift in these kids whether it be from like cocky you know i got this i'm the best coming for or the opposite like sheltered parents and don't let them do anything like they never get out of the house don't have any friends and those kids turn up the dial and wound they up being... They get the space to, to be themselves. Yeah, they get it's the so cool. space to live. Like, you see a physical shift. Yeah. You see their... You actually see them smile. You see them having a conversation with a stranger, you know, <laughs> or new people, when a stranger. Yeah. Uh, and then you see how the other end of that spectrum is humbled mm-hmm. in, in that experience. Like, all right, they might be really shy, but shit, they're... Yeah. Awesome at their instrument. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they spend 12 hours in a practice room every day like, yeah. <laughs> and you don't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's another balancing or leveling out the playing field emotionally as well, which is huge. Like outside of the, of the arts, you don't have that opportunity. You're sitting in a math class and you're only being judged on, on the, the thing you're writing down on that paper, right. Or how your mind memorizes content or, it's a, such a such a, a small way to judge a person. Yeah. And I think that's why the arts are important. It's opening up, it's broadening that, that, um, that, uh, what, is, what do I say? What should I say? Make Horizons. It really uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like adding pieces to the, to the pie of what, what, describes you or makes you a person you know it's not all about your grades it's not all about your social skills it's not all about your money there are there are other slices to that pie that make you this whole person that make you who you are and the arts are are huge in that because arts are also so so varied yeah you can paint and you can sing and you can play the guitar and you can tap dance and you can make a film and you can create write. a sculpture and you can write a, a poem. Like ugh, yeah. it's across the field. Like you can do everything, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and then there's uh, I was talking to somebody recently and she was talking about also how like technology and arts are kind of interwoven also. Like the mm. line is gets blurry between the two um, because of invention. And again, sure. like if you're, literally inventing something like you have to like sketching it out like yeah i mean even go back to like da vinci and some of the greats and their designs of like helicopter you know oh yeah so for sure yeah 
And that's still happening. Yeah. Technology is still changing. Steve Jobs also had a huge uh, artistic element, like calligraphy and right. yeah. type fonts. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's happening. I'm sure it's happening in all arts fields. But in, in classical music, it's, it's um, well, in, in stage theater, sung stage theater, let's call it. So as opera singers, we call musical theater from like uh, probably up, through like the 60s let's say we call it legit musical theater right it's legit because they're actually having to sing full out with a full voice whereas when we started using amplified sound on stage and specifically in musical theater the singing got totally different it changed the entire industry of of what musical theater is and what your your uh preconception of that of that sort of you know what you're going to get when you go see the show you're going to hear character voices. They're going to be a little smaller. Left uh, you're not going to hear these robust voices like you would in an opera house. But before the 60s, earlier, uh, there was no amplified sound. Or they weren't using it yet in, in theater. And so you had theater singers, musical theater singers, that were trained equally as, as classical voice operatic singers. Because you had to fill that hall. And there's an orchestra, there's no microphone, you're just having to blast over that every night of the week, you know? <laughs> so, I got my union card from the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle when I was 20, doing musical theater. And so, I've, I'm familiar with musical theater, and I've been, that was Hair we did, and then mm-hmm. we also did Prince and the Popper. Um, and, um, so, what you just said is something that I never had a definition about, like, People will ask, um, because my wheelhouse is like Jesus from Jesus Christ Superstars, like really fits my voice well. Cool. Um, so when I sing, so then like a lot of Stevie Wonder and that, like that realm and some jazz. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people will ask, Oh, do you have a legit voice? And I'm like, Well, I can sing jazz. And depending on the person, they're like, Well, that's not legit, but I never really knew what what that meant, what it meant. Mm. Um, so you're the first person <laughs> that's the first <laughs> definition, but still, so then, so then it doesn't have to be opera. Like, so then no. well, okay. you can like, uh, Rogers and Hammerstein. Okay. It's all musical theater, but yeah. it's all like quotation marks, legit singing because it was from this, a different time period where, yeah. Where the vocals Some enchanted evening. Yeah. It's not some enchanted evening. Right. You know, like the sound that SpongeBob or something. Awesome. But a totally different spectrum of sound quality. You know, my friend uh, Christina, she was on a few episodes back. Uh, She's Sandy Cheeks and SpongeBob. (laughs) She took that over. So she's on on Broadway. On the show. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Well, cool, man. Where's the best place for people? I know we put where uh, arts on site, but where's the best place for people to follow you um, if they want to keep up with what you're up to? Sure. Uh, I have a website. It's adrianrosas.com. Uh, I don't post there so often, to be honest, but uh, I will have updated um, performance performances that I'm doing around the country. Um, I'm also starting to add some teaching elements to that as well that haven't been there before just because it's been become a big part of my my life as well so balancing out you know what are these different hats that i'm wearing and how can i put them all on the same 
sort of page. That's the next step for me. Um, I'm not sponsored by them yet, so this is not a sponsored post. But um, but shout out to them if they uh, want to. Uh, shout out to Squarespace because I recently um, updated my personal site also. Cool. Um, and so yeah, I highly recommend that. Um, if you're, yeah. you sound like you might be like me on that. Like, I've got Wix. Yeah, that that's a good one too. Shout out to Wix. Shout if you out want to, to Wix sponsor too. this podcast. <laughs> also, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, is there? What about uh, Instagram? Are you on active on there? I'm only on Facebook. Okay, I I was also <laughs> um, recently like with the podcast. I've started doing the Instagram thing. Yeah. too, and it's pretty cool too. Um, I, now that I, I get it, because it's. It's less of a time suck is, is what I'll say about it, okay. um, which that I really like. Yeah, Facebook had, is... At the at the last week of this program in California, the kids are all like, oh, Adrian, do you have Instagram? We want to follow you. I'm like, no, I don't have Instagram. And then they they had my phone number just cause, so we can communicate throughout the summer. Yeah. And I got texts with Instagram invitations. Instagram and Snapchat. Yeah. They're like... Adrian, join Snapchat. We want. To, we have three hundred friends that want to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> or like, all right. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But also, you know, I got to keep up. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a fine balance, though. You right. know, because again, it gets the so time, time consuming. Yep. Um. Yeah. And is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh. I could I could plug. Uh, I have another yeah. job in the ministry. Absolutely. So I also have a wear another hat. It's in another administrative job with the Moab Music Festival in right. Moab, Utah. Um, so these are sort of the three big things: is me as a singer, teacher, me as uh, building arts on site, and then actually f- what's sprung from both the singing, their music side, and entrepreneurial side has been this uh, job with the Moab Music Festival. So there's a, it's a really small team um, that are there throughout the year that work full-time. Um, and I'm now a person that does remote work. It's a 12-month contract, so I feel like I'm on that team as well all year. Uh, but they do this cool two-week-long music festival. Um, Moab sits between giant national parks, canyonlands, and arches. Nice. Beautiful place to go, like, just as a human. Where Where is this? Moab, Utah. Utah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Utah's gorgeous. I've been to Utah. Moab's fantastic. Nice. You get the like literally Moab is maybe a two mile long street with the national parks on either side of that yeah. street. So you're sitting smack in the middle of gorgeous landscape. <clears throat> and so this music festival was started by a mentor of mine in New York, Michael Barrett, who um, I've done multiple gigs with here as a singer. And I actually sang on this music festival like five years ago. Uh, and then one night, two years ago now, we were doing a gig in New York and I told him about Arts on Sight and the work we're doing. He goes, oh, that's great. You want to gain some more nonprofit experience? We just lost this guy who was working to, working for them for a number of years. He's like, there's a spot opened up. It's remote work. You know, I can do it from home. Uh, but yeah, help us put together this music festival every year. I was like, absolutely. So this is my second year now on, on that staff and loving it because I'm gaining this, this totally new perspective on, on music, um, which I had no clue of before. So spending a whole year just to put on a two week long, uh, festival. And when is the festival? 
Uh, the festival is the last week of August, first week of September. Cool. So it goes over Labor Day. Labor Day sits right in, in the middle. Um, yeah, and, the, and this festival they bring in, uh, I think it's something like 25 to 30 instrumentalists of various sorts. And then uh, there's a quartet of singers as well this year. Um, and they all rotate and do, I think it's something like 20 concerts over two weeks. And so it's, it's just a huge puzzle of a thing to put together. Um, but one, one of the interesting things that, that Moab does is they take people out on adventures. So it's like an adventure concert. You can, that's you'll, cool. A team uh, or the audience will meet at the music office. Um, 30, 60 people, they'll go out on like a 20, 30 minute hike and then come upon a baby grand piano and a string quartet. That's awesome. And they'll sit for 30 minutes to an hour for a concert in, in the rocks, you know, in, out in, in the state park. Um, or there are also some more traditional things in indoor venues. They do some uh, outdoor, like pop up a giant tent and, and do a concert under a tent sort of thing. Um, then they bring in some headlining groups as well. So this year, Take Six, I don't know if you know of this group. Uh, it's a mostly acapella, uh, jazz slash gospel yeah. group. Uh, and ironically, they're one of the reasons that I went to college for music. My God, I love their music. <laughs> uh, so now I'm going to get the chance to like meet up with them and spend some time liaise with Take Six, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the possibly ha- also like, hey, if, let me just hop in there and you know, like sing a tune. Yep. yep. <laughs> Need a little extra bass support? Yeah, I got you. You know. <laughs> so yeah, this is just another another hat that I or another opportunity that I said yes to. That's turned up, turned out to be an awesome awesome opportunity. Um, I hope to keep this job for a number of years, and it allows me to continue all the things I'm doing. Other than that you know, because it's remote, but it also gives me this new opportunity to travel out to, to Utah every summer and meet cool new artists out there that I probably would never meet in my operatic career or my arts on site career or my teaching career. Now I see take six live in person. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also nice, um, having your platform in New York. Um, cause you can also extend the invitation to everybody like, Hey, if you're in New York, right, you know, exactly. Come. Yeah. Let me know. You Let's know. get lunch. Like every yeah. everybody comes through New York. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's a good. Just yeah. Just another part of of the pie that makes up your freelance life. Yep. Piece of the puzzle. Yep. Love it. Absolutely. Um, do you have any uh, final thoughts you'd like to leave leave the listening audience with? Yeah, I think if you're an artist listening to this podcast, um, know that there are other people out there that are doing the exact same things, going through the same struggles. And uh, I think this podcast, like many others, are out there to inform and bring people together and um, uh, reach out to all the resources you have. If you've ever been feeling down, um, reach out to us, I'm sure, you know. Yeah, Al- Alec, you would be an awesome person just to chat with. I'm yeah. happy to chat with whoever about anything. Uh, community again, <laughs> yep, full circle. Um, 
if you're not an artist and and you're uh, uh, just came upon this, um, become an artist lover and support the arts, support this podcast, support a a singer, support a band, go see shows, whatever. Get out there and make people know that the arts are important and they're still living and going strong, even though they're the funding's being cut all over the place, left and right. It's an important thing to support and help to continue. Yeah. Cool. Come out well, come out to Arts on Site. Performance yeah. party. You need some space. When uh, is it usually at the beginning or the end of the month? Uh, it's most often on the third Saturday of every month, the performance party. So the next one is August 18th. Arts cool. on Site. Yeah. Well, speaking on community, it was great sitting down, talking with you. Thank you for coming on here. You as well. And uh, I'll put the links to everything that we were talking about, all of those places um, in the show notes for this. Perfect. So thank thank you you very much. So that was my conversation with Adrian Rosas. Told you he's a pretty cool cat. And as we mentioned um, over and over again, it really does come down to community. So I hope that you get involved with wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this from. Um, In whatever you want to do, get involved with the community that's doing that. Be a part of it, and that's the best way to to move forward in that pursuit. Um, If you're in NYC, definitely check out arts on site nyc the links for that will be in the show notes as well as everything else um and if you're enjoying the bushwick variety show uh please subscribe rate review share um you can find us on all the major platforms apple Podcasts, google play and stitcher um the links to everything adrian was talking about will be in the show notes for this as are everything else on bushwickvarietyshow.com Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Please let me know what you're thinking. Um, Check out what Adrian's doing. Check out what everybody's doing, um, specifically if you're in New York. But wherever you are, tune in, get involved, do your thing, and and share your voice. We want to hear from you. So thank you very much for listening to me and Adrian and listening to these episodes. I appreciate your ears very much. Have a great day. Have a great week. And I hope to see and hear about what you're doing soon. So have a good one. Peace. Peace.